local across the city and South Cambridgeshire. This is Alex Elbrook. Cambridge 105 Radio. Continuing with our series, We Are What We Eat, Dan Grief joins me again. And today we're turning our attention to fruit and vegetables. Are they good for us and their evolution? Hi, Dan. How are you doing? Yeah, really well, Alex, and uh, thank you so much. Lovely to see you after, um, well, I was going to say a summer. I don't know if it was summer. It was a bit of a funny one, wasn't it, really? It definitely but, um, was. Yeah, maybe yeah. we'll get some summer now, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think it's our anniversary as well. I think, I think it is, yes. I think you said, um, you know, let's do a few shows up to Christmas and see how we get on, and a year later, here we are. Yeah. So, um, yeah, very glad to be back on the show again. Thank you for having me again. Brilliant. It's uh, my pleasure. Now, we're going to be talking about maybe a little bit of a controversial subject, fruit and vegetables, and are they good for us? Where do you like to start? Yeah. Now, when I chose this subject, I'm not I'm not going to come on here, by the way, and be so contrary to say vegetables are bad for us. But I'm also not going to come out and say vegetables are good for us either. I really want to open up the debate and the discussion because with a lot of foods, um, there's a lot of hearsay and there's a lot of passed down belief. And I think it's really healthy to actually question what food we eat and also to think about the foods we eat. And just to, just to ponder the question, and I'd love to hear what listeners think about this, are vegetables good for us or not? So I thought that'd be an interesting topic. And I'm going to look at fruit and vegetables, but I'll start with fruit first and then vegetables second. Excellent. Um, and at the end, I'll try and answer it, and I'll see what you think as well. But um, I'll just go from there. Is that Does that sound good? That sounds great. And are we going to talk about the, the um, issue of the five a day, which uh, got picked from somewhere? <laughs> yep, uh, got plucked out of the air. Um, so I remember somebody went to Italy in the early 2000s, and they came back, and they said, the five a day is a complete joke. And I said, yep. why? Because in Italy, they have to eat like eight a day. I was like, what? Like, so in this country, we're only eating five a day because they know there's so as much we can handle. The five a day thing I find very odd. And all I'll say on that is when you see a processed food trying to claim that it's one of your five a day, that's a joke in my opinion. And secondly, what does five a day really mean? Is broccoli the same, for instance, as an orange um, in, in terms of the, the effect it has, the chemical reactions in your body, the amount of sugar it has, for instance, the amount of fiber? It's a bit of a funny one that I, I personally don't have five a day. I very rarely have five, uh, well, as I say, year. That's a bit much. <laughs> probably, probably five a week is a bit of a push for me, to be honest, because yeah. I don't eat a lot of fruit and veg. But then that's my choice. And I was going to talk about why, why by opening up this topic. So Excellent. do you want me to start with, with fruit a little bit? And yeah, I think so. Because history. I think people always, that's the easy um, option if people are trying to be healthy, aren't they? They often think of taking fruit. This idea of fruit eating, I find really bizarre. Um, I grew up in a family where we didn't have lots of fruit. And I remember bringing my girlfriend back from university. And you know how when you bring back a friend or a girlfriend or something who comes from outside your family environment, they see it in a different way. Yes. And she was like, where's your fruit bowl? I was like, oh, I think it's that dusty thing there that never gets used. <laughs> she was like, what, you don't have fruit? That's really bad. You're going to you're gonna get ill. And I was like, oh, um, yeah, we don't eat fruit. Mom, why don't we eat fruit? And my, my mom was like, well, it's really full of sugar. Now, I grew up in a family eating lots of vegetables, but not fruit. And... That was just my starting position was it's really full of sugar. So occasionally we'd have fruit as a treat. And most families, on the other hand, I'd say, because of that five-a-day policy, they believe that fruit is a staple of every single day. And I find that just really quite sad because the fruit that we're eating now is actually the result of selective breeding, sometimes genetic engineering, but actually selective breeding over a few hundred years, in some cases a few decades, to make the fruit the most juicy, large, sugar-laden fructose bomb that it can be. 
And if you think about that in nature, that piece of fruit would not have got to that situation because if it was on the tree, it would have been eaten so quickly that I suppose the you know the, the seeds would have been digested and gone, and the whole thing would be eaten so quickly that you know apples would not have been allowed to get to that sort of size. Apples yeah. would have been small, fibrous things. All fruits would have been much smaller, much much less sugar in them. The ones that, of course, animals did used to eat, like for instance the apple. I think I told you this before. You know, the apple was actually hibernation food. So we're recording this in September. This is apple season. And it's because animals like bears would be feasting on the apples so they could then build up their fat stores. Those fat stores would then see them through the winter. So we've taken something that was always kind of a sugary thing with fiber and the fiber offsets the sugar. And they've just made them bigger and juicier with way more sugar than they had from just evolution. And now they are really, in my opinion, confectionery. Yeah, I think I agree with you. We were families also that didn't eat a lot of fruit. And in fact, my dad still says he struggles to eat fruit. And uh, we eat a lot of vegetables and, and not so much fruit. And growing up, one of my sons, my eldest son, was completely phobic about fruit. And my goodness, you would not believe, you. everyone would thought they would be calling social services because uh, I didn't feed my eldest son fruit. He had lots of vegetables, but he would not eat fruit. And if you go to parties, he would be seen as a bit of a freak because he... Just he out of interest, what's it. he doing now, your son? Because he's done really well. Well, hasn't he? Yeah. Oh well, he's you know he's doing a PhD. He's uh, like go. six foot tall so, so and he's very healthy. So this, no, but isn't that funny? Like the fruit yeah. didn't affect him. I mean, this idea that somehow you're not eating fruits, so somehow you're going to be this really malnourished, uh, underdeveloped person, it's just nonsense. Your son's doing his PhD. He's a fit, tall guy. Of course, it's nothing to do with fruit. You know, it's the protein and the fats and all the the rest and the, the the care he received and all those factors that are in the environment of raising a child. That's what's more important. So, in terms of fruit, you know, people think that evolution, and I love that topic, evolution. They seem to think that well, apples have been evolved to be eaten by us. Well, that's not true. Apples and other fruit have been evolved to be eaten by us, but the evolution comes from their side. They want to be eaten by us so that they can spread their seed because uh, that's what they are. They are seeds with the bit, you know, the pip in the middle, or whatever. Of course. It's not, yes. it's not evolved to make us healthy, though. That's not how it works. <laughs> and even if we are eating fruit in terms of evolutionary eating fruit, we might be eating apples in September. We might be having other fruits in earlier times of the years, like apricots or whatever. But after a few weeks of them being on the tree, they're going to be rotting on the ground or you've eaten them all and they've gone. That's it for the year. You don't have all year round fruit consumption. That's a completely modern thing. Nothing to do with evolution whatsoever. So eating kiwis for Christmas or, you know, a banana in Britain, it's not something that we've evolved to eat in this country. We just not had it until recently. So I just find the whole thing a little bit kind of warped the way we look at fruit. But I want to come on to vegetables too, if I may, because I realize we, you know, the time is, is running. Yes, and yes. Vegetables are interesting too. So when you look at, for instance, an animal, an animal has a defensive system if, of course, it has to defend itself. And most animals do in some ways. It might be its teeth. It might be its claws. It might be none of those things. It might be a fast runner instead, and it can get itself out of trouble. But because animals are mobile creatures, animals have different ways of defending themselves or different systems to avoid getting into danger. Plants, on the other hand, don't have such luxury. Plants, of course, sit there wherever their roots are. That's where they are. And so plants have to be a lot more cautious and a lot more, I suppose, protective to make sure they don't get eaten by animals and by us who are animals. So for instance, you know, stingy nettles is a good example, thistles. These are examples where plants actually have either a chemical or a physical type of defense about them. Now, because plants have to have this physical defense, that's actually bred into the plant to make sure you don't eat it. And that's why I found really fascinating that most vegetables we eat are actually from only a very few plants. So for instance, have you heard of Brassica alacea? 
Have you heard of that plant? No, but brassica, that's like cabbagey or broccoli type things, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. That's the, the cabbage family. Now, Brussels sprouts, cabbages, you can imagine they're the same family. They're very similar. But also kale, spring greens and all those kind of greeny vegetables, cauliflower, broccoli, they're all the same plant family. Right and now. it's the same thing. Like, for instance, like the Brussels sprout, you know, like the head of the Brussels sprout is actually the same bud you got in the broccoli. It's just slightly genetically different. The cauliflower apparently has evolved from the broccoli and is the white inside of the broccoli without it actually blooming with the green. So it's the same plant. They call it the dog of the plant world because actually, <laughs> you know, how all dogs are the same. They're just slightly genetically different. They all come from the same place. The other one is lily. I think, which is actually the onion family, which includes asparagus and garlic. And so there's actually very few plants we can actually eat because most of them are actually toxic to us because otherwise the plant, of course, would be eaten by an animal. Yeah. And so you've got to then think, okay, so these plants quite often we're eating, quite often have toxic elements to stop us eating them. And even the plants we are eating have small amounts of toxic amounts because that's just the defensive mechanism of that plant. So we're not probably evolved to eat them as they were, but we've changed them in some way to make them match our diet. Now, what's interesting is you can breed a cow, you can breed a pig or a sheep to be larger and more bulky or whatever, but it's not fundamentally changed what it was. It's still that same animal. And we have been eating that for hundreds of thousands of years. These vegetables, on the other hand, our ancestors couldn't eat them. In fact, the first record we have of the brassica sort of family being used was about 2000 BC. That's only 4,000 years of eating. That's really, really modern. And so these vegetables are modern foods. Now I pose the question, are they good for us then if we've been living without them for the whole of human existence without any problems at all really, eating them very occasionally, are they now such an important staple of our diet? And I guess the argument comes down to two things. People believe that vitamins are good for us, which of course they are, I'm not saying they're not, and that fiber is good for us. If you don't have to have your vitamins from that source, you can get them from other sources like liver's a great source and meat's a great source of vitamins. And of course, having fats is essential for you know actually digesting vitamins. And then the fiber, there's a massive question about, do we actually need fiber in our diet? And I don't have the answer, but there's definitely convincing evidence from people who say now, we probably don't need fiber on our diet. There's also good evidence on those who do. So that's a that's a topic that I'm interested in. But I want to pose a question. Do we need to eat these foods? Are they actually good for us? Mm, wow, that's uh, something good to end on there. I think so. I also think it's good to th- look back on the whole of human history and what humans are supposed to be eating. If you, if you start from that premise, then I think you're in a good place. Like, you know, we live in East Anglia in Britain. So 10,000 years ago, there was a big ice sheet above us. And that's why this landscape is flat. That like ice sheet that stopped at the River Thames, and that's the edge of the ice sheet is the River Thames. So we were underneath ice. So our ancestors, if they were in this area, and of course, I know I've got family from around the world, I know you do too, but if we were in this area, we'd have been eating pretty much meat this time of year from September to March time. There wouldn't have been vegetables around. And I just find that really interesting. So yeah, question, look into it and just think, you know, don't take for granted. Open up your mind and just what do you think? Oh, that's great, Dan. As always, slightly controversial and slightly thought-provoking. Thanks ever so much, Dan. Speak to you You're again welcome. next month. I actually do welcome the debate. If anyone's got any comments I want to come back with, I'd love to read what you think, okay? But thanks that's for having me, Alex. It's been great, as, as always. Cambridge 105 Radio.